Welcome to The Heart Zone, featuring George Cannon. This broadcast is a time of teaching and encouragement from Kerwinsville Christian Church. For more information, we invite you to visit us on the web at www.kerwinsvillechristian.org. And now for a message from The Heart Zone. Here's George Cannon. Today's Easter. It's a great time of year, isn't it? Because it's usually spring. We, in fact, we've got a beautiful day today, don't we? And you're looking forward to getting out of here and going wherever your families are going to be gathering and maybe having ham. I had ham yesterday. And you're looking for that family time together and that time of just spending that time with family. And this is Easter, and we're thankful for Jesus and the salvation he's given us. But I want to I want to take it one step further today as we talk about Easter and we talk about the reality of Jesus and his risen nature because the reality is is that you may be here today and you have trusted in Jesus Christ as your savior and you love him but you're defeated. You love him but you wonder if he loves you. Because when you think about church and you think about being with God, all you can think about is what you did, your failure, and how you've not lived up to what you think God expects of you. So you're here this morning, you're celebrating, but inside you're actually hurting. And as we're here to talk about the risen Savior, I think it's so important for us to talk about the risen Savior and the reality of who he is and in the reality of what he has done for each and every one of us here. And in the reality of the love that he shows to each and every one of us here. See, the enemy wants you to be locked into a mindset that you're of no use to God anymore. He can't use you. All he sees is what you did. And you know what? It may have happened years ago. It may have been something that you just accidentally did, or it may have been intentional. But every time you think about God, you think about how he can't accept you for that. That is not the reality of Scripture. And the reason why we're going to see that today is we're going to look at the life of one man in light of Easter, and that's Peter. Because I don't think any of us have done what Peter did. Or maybe you're here and you're saying, well, I've done worse. That's fine. Paul says, I'm the chief of sinners. He killed and murdered Christians. And yet God accepted him. But what we're going to see is, is that we're going to see a man who is broken, living in a state of defeat, wondering if God accepts him. And then we're going to see the grace of Jesus, the risen Jesus, and see how he reaches out to Peter. So, We're going to focus on chapter 21 today, but I'm going to read a couple of other passages just to help you to gather and understand what's going on in the life of Peter. In Matthew chapter 26, verse 31 to 35, it's at the Last Supper. Then Jesus said to them, All of you will be made to stumble because of me this night. For it is written, I will strike the shepherd, and the sheep of the flock will be scattered But after I have been raised, I will go before you to Galilee. Peter answered and said to him, Even if all are made to stumble because of you, I will never be made to stumble. Jesus said to him, 
Surely I say to you that this night before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. Peter said to him, Even if I have to die with you, I will not deny you. And so said all the disciples. Same chapter, verse 69. Now Peter sat outside the courtyard, and a servant girl came to him, saying, You were with Jesus of Galilee. But he denied it before them all. And it's saying, I do not know what you're saying. Then he had gone out to the gateway, and another girl saw him and said to those who were with him, This fellow also was with Jesus of Nazareth. But again he denied with an oath, I do not know the man. A little later, those who stood by came and said to Peter, Surely you also are one of them, for your speech betrays you. Then he began to curse and swear, saying, I do not know the man. Immediately, a rooster crowed. Peter remembered the word of Jesus, who had said to him, Before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. So he went out and wept bitterly. John chapter 20. Now on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene, who went to the tomb early while it was still dark and saw the stone had been taken away from the tomb. Then she ran and came to Simon Peter and to the other disciple whom Jesus loved and said to them, They have taken away the Lord out of the tomb, and we do not know where they have laid him. Peter therefore went out with the other disciple and were going to the tomb. So they both ran together, and the other disciple outran Peter and came to the tomb first. And he, stooping down, looking in, saw the linen clothes lying there, yet he did not go in. Then Simon Peter came, following him, and went into the tomb, and he saw the linen clothes lying there, and the handkerchief that had been around his head, not lying with the linen clothes, but folded together in a place by itself. Then the other disciple also came to the tomb first, went in also and saw and believed. For they did not yet know the scripture that he must rise again from the dead. Now chapter 21. And after these things, Jesus showed himself again to the disciples at the Sea of Tiberias. And in this way he showed himself. Simon Peter, Thomas called the twin, Nathaniel of Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two others of his disciples were together. Simon Peter said to them, I'm going fishing. They said to him, we're going with you also. They went out and immediately got into the boat, and that night they caught nothing. But when the morning had now come, Jesus stood on the shore, yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. Then Jesus said to them, Children, have you any food? They answered him, No. And he said to them, Cast the net on the right side of the boat, and you will find some. So they cast and now they were not able to draw it because of the multitude of fish. Therefore, that disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, It is the Lord! Now when Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his outer garment, for he had removed it, and plunged into the sea. But the other disciples came in the little boat, for they were not far from the land, about two hundred cubits, drawing the net with the fish. Then as soon as they had come to the land, they saw a fire of coals there, and fish laid on it, and bread. Jesus said to them, Bring some of the fish which you have just caught. Simon Peter went and dragged the net to the land, full of large fish, 153, although there were so many, the net was not broken. 
Jesus came to them, Come and eat breakfast. Yet none of them dared ask him, Who are you? Knowing it was the Lord. Jesus then came and took the bread and gave it to them, and likewise the fish. This is now the third time Jesus showed himself to the disciples after he was raised from the dead. So when they had eaten bread, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me more than these? He said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, Feed my lambs. He said to him again a second time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? He said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, Tend my sheep. He said to him a third time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, Do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, Feed my sheep. What we're going to see here is a man who really loves Jesus, who desires Jesus. And then he fails. And even though he has a failure in his life, even though he's messed up, in his heart he still loves Jesus. But yet he's carrying that guilt. He's carrying the defeat. He's carrying what he's done wrong and wondering what will happen. But I want you to see the grace of Jesus. Jesus reaches out to him. Jesus reaches out to him and affirms who Peter is and gives Peter something to do. So let's look at a couple things here. First of all, the state of defeat. First of all, I want you to see this about Jesus. Jesus knows that we will stumble. Jesus knows that we will stumble. He says to the disciples that day in the upper room when they had the Last Supper, he said, this evening all of you are going to stumble because of me. Now Peter immediately says, no way, Lord, I'm not going to do that. And isn't that just the way we are as human beings? The fact of the matter is, is you can be here and you can say, I would never do anything like that. You and I can't say those kind of things. Given the right circumstances, the right situation, every single one of us here could do wrong, do sin, and do stuff that we condemn in the lives of other people. Every one of us here. And see, Jesus knows that. In fact, he knows us better than we know ourselves. We deceive ourselves. We think we're okay. The reality is, is we're not okay. We will stumble and fall given the right circumstance and the right situation. And Jesus knows that. So he's saying to Peter, tonight, Peter, you're going to stumble. So here's what Peter does. Peter says, I'm not going to stumble, Lord. And, Peter, and Jesus goes one step further and says, yes, Jesus, you're going to stumble. In fact, tonight, you're going to deny me three times before the rooster crows. And notice, Peter doesn't get it. He's kind, of, he's kind of like most of us, isn't he? He's kind of thick a little bit, and he can't quite get what's going on. And he says, well, even if anybody else does this, Jesus, I love you and I'll be there for you. And already twice now, Jesus has said to him, look, I know you're going to fail. Listen, my friends, he knows you and I are going to fail. See, a lot of us here have a wrong concept of God that he's just waiting to squash us whenever we do wrong. Like he's caught by surprise that we do wrong. They've been caught by surprise, especially parents here. When your young one does something wrong, it's like, I can't believe they did that. That may be you as a parent, but that's not Jesus. He's not caught by surprise when we do wrong. He knows we're going to do wrong. That's reality. So here's what happens then. We are ignorant of our frailty. Next thing I want you to see there is that we are ignorant of our frailty. 
Here's what Peter is. Peter is, you know, he's looking at himself. He's confident. He's been with Jesus for three years. And the reality is, is he, he thinks he can do it. He can, he's strong. He's a man. And he could just do whatever and he could just stand. But the fact of the matter is, is he doesn't really understand that every one of us are frail. We have clay feet. Given the right circumstances, something can come and just take our legs out from underneath us and we fall. We stumble. And a lot of times, it doesn't even have to be you. You can fall into it and not even realize it. And we need to recognize our frailty. You are a human being. You're not God. And as a human being, you're going to fail. You're going to stumble. You're going to fall. You're going to give in to the desires of your flesh. You're going to make wrong decisions. You're going to hurt people. You're going to be hurt by people. You can't be stoic and, and by yourself. We're selfish. And we need to quit being ignorant of our frailty. And that's what we are, aren't we? We're pretty ignorant. We think we can stand. Well, I would never do that. Or I would never do this. Don't ever say, I would never. You don't know what you might never do. And that's reality. So, we are ignorant of our frailty. The other thing I want you to see is, is and here's what happens. So Peter, he's standing, he's ignorant, he's ignorant of his frailty, and guess what happens? Circumstances happen, situation happens that is beyond anything he's prepared for, and he denies Jesus three times. And he hears the crow, and immediately he begins to weep. Now why does he weep? Because he loves Jesus. Fast forward a little bit to John, John chapter 20. Mary comes and says, where's the, the Lord's body's missing? He runs to the tomb with John. And he gets there. John doesn't go in. John doesn't go in because for a Jew, that's an unclean place to go into a tomb where there's a body been. And so you would become ceremonially unclean before God. John doesn't go in. He waits outside and kind of peeks his head in and looks. Peter shows up. Peter, the man of passion, the man who loves Jesus, guess what he does? He just runs right into the tomb, grabs the clothes, why? Because he loves Jesus. That's my next point I want you to see here. There is still a love for Jesus in our defeat. There's still a love for Jesus. You know what I'm talking about. When you mess up and you're, and, and you're just defeated because you made a wrong decision, you did something you think that nobody will ever forgive you for, and, and you just are living in defeat. And, you, and, and listen, the enemy will come to you and you begin to believe the lies. He can never use me again. I'll never be of use to God anymore. There is no way you could ever forgive me for what I did. I don't even forgive myself. You ever, hear, you ever said those kind of things to yourself? There's no way he could forgive me. There's no way. There's no way. There's no way. But yet on the inside, there's still a little bit of love. There's still a desire. If I could only somehow get it right. I just love God. I love Jesus. There's still that desire within you. It doesn't it never leaves you if you're his child. Listen to me, it never leaves you. But you can bury it under the guilt and the shame of what you've done. And so Peter, he still has a desire. He still loves Jesus. That's why he wept. That's why he ran. In fact, when we get to John chapter 21 and he's in the boat, notice something when they said, it's the Lord, what does he do? He doesn't say, okay, guys, let's row in. He jumps in immediately to go out to be with Jesus. Why? Because he wants Jesus. Even in the state of his defeat, he wants Jesus. He loves God. See, you can love God and still be defeated. Sometimes we say, well, I'm defeated. I can't love God, obviously. No, 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 no. You don't understand. It's there. 
You've just covered it with all the shame and the guilt. But I want you to see the God of a second chance, because that's really what we're talking about. My friends, here's what we're talking about today. I want you to grasp the reality. Easter is about second chances. That's why we celebrate Easter. We say, well, George, I've already had my second chance. I need a tenth chance. God is a God of ten chances. In fact, God is the God of 70 times 7 chances. He's the God of forgiveness. See, because remember now, I already told you, He already knows you're going to fail. Do you hear what I'm saying? He already knows that you're going to mess up, that you're going to fall on your face, that you're going to bruise it up pretty badly. He already knows that. He knew immediately. He knew before Peter had any, before Peter was born, that Peter would mess up. But yet he saw Peter's heart. That's reality. In fact, I want you to look with me. Several things here. I want you to see that is we see first of all there there they are by the Sea of Galilee, and Peter and some of the disciples are with him. And Peter says, "I'm going to go fishing." Isn't that the normal attitude that we have? I've messed up now. There's no way God can ever use me. Yeah, he may be alive, but he can't use me now. So what does he want to do? He wants to go back to what he did before. He wants Because he was a fisherman before, do you remember? And he wants to go fishing now. So the other guy said, we'll go with you. And so they fish all night. They don't catch anything. And so, you know, I like fishing, but when you don't catch nothing, I mean, it's enjoyable, but it's not enjoyable when you don't catch nothing. So in the early morning, they see somebody on the shore. And that somebody yells to them, and they didn't know it was the Lord yet. And he yells to them and says, well, you know, cast your net on the right, which is, can I be honest with you? All you got to do is just go all the way back to the Gospels. The first time when he met Peter, he told Peter the same thing, remember? Cast your net over on this side. And when he brought the net up, Peter said, Lord, forgive me, I'm a sinner. So there he is. What I want you to see is, here's the point. He comes to you. See, because in your state of defeat, you're not going to go to him because you're going to think he doesn't want to have anything to do with you. You're going to think that you've messed up so much that Jesus doesn't want me anymore. I mean, I love him, but and I want more for my life, but how can that happen because I messed up? My friends, he comes to you. Talk about taking the initiative. He takes the initiative. He comes to you in the midst of your pain, in the midst of your defeat, in the midst of your shame and your guilt. He comes to you. I don't think it's coincidence that he came to them while they were fishing, because that's where he first came to them. He comes to you. You know, in fact, it's like this. He comes to you, but you know what? He's got his arms open, but we're running around everywhere else. But yet we're afraid to go to him, because we think immediately he's going to say, like, how many of you can, how many of you can relate to this? I remember as a boy, when I did wrong, and my dad would leave early in the morning. He was in the military, and... When I'd get up, my mom would say, your dad wants to talk to you when you get home. So you go to school and you try to ignore it all day at school, and then you're on the bus and you go home and you're just like, oh no, at 6 o'clock dad's coming home. And you're afraid of what dad's going to say when he sees you. How many of you can relate to that? Do you remember those kind of experiences? I, I have those kind of experiences. That's a good godly fear, is it not? We need to have that, should we not? Okay, so anyhow... We have that same attitude about God that he's going to immediately drop the bomb on us, drop the hammer. 
But that's not what we see in this passage. He comes to them. Here's the other thing I want you to see. He comes to you. Here's Peter. There is still a consuming desire for Jesus there. Listen, you may be here and you are so racked with shame about what you've done, but yet there's a small part of you that still desires to know God, to be with Him, to love Him, but you've got all that other stuff. Here, my friends, you've got to let that desire consume you rather than the shame consume you. You hear what I'm saying? Because here's what Peter, again, John, the disciple, the, the other disciple, the disciple whom Jesus loved, John's so humble he won't even write his own name in his own gospel. He looks over in Peter and says, It is the Lord! Now look at what Peter does. First of all, he's stripped down to his skivvies out there. He throws on his outer garment, and then it's like, it doesn't say, Let's go, boys. He's like, boom, diving in and just swimming to the shore. Why? Because he wanted to be with Jesus. He wanted to be with Jesus. See, some of you are here today, and you're carrying that shame, but you've walked in here with a longing. You, you, you don't expect it to happen, but yet there is an expectation, and the expectation is that somehow God would meet you in the midst of where you are right now. And so you keep coming. You don't know why you come, but you come. And you're wanting something more from Him. You've got that same attitude. You want Jesus. You want Him to show up in your life. Because you love him. But I want you to see something here. Jesus, then, he got, he's got the meal ready. He says, okay, guys, it's time to eat. And then as they're eating, he looks to Peter. John records this. This is interesting. He looks to Peter. And he says to Peter, Peter, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? Because here's what's going on. He asks him that not once, but Three different times. Because listen, in the upper room, he said, Lord, I will never, because I love you, Lord. And he looks at Peter, and he wants to know your love for him. See, the issue isn't your failure, it's your love. Do you love him? Yes, you messed up. But my friends, everybody here is messed up. Period. There isn't a human being that hasn't messed up. Except one. That was Jesus. And so he looks and he says to Peter, Peter, do you love me? And finally, the third time, Peter realizes what's going on because he denied him how many times? And finally he says, notice how he, listen, listen to what he says. Look at what he says to him. He says to him, Lord, you know all things. Why would he say that? Because in the upper room... Jesus said to him, tonight you guys are going to stumble. Oh, I'm not going to stumble. Tonight, Peter, you're going to die on me three times. Peter comes to the conclusion, God, you know everything about me. You know that I'm going to stumble. You know that I'm going to fall. And you know that I love you. Now, here's what Easter is. Here's the final point. He restores us. Well, George, you don't know what I've done. God knows what I've done. How can he, re- how can he forgive me for what I've done? George, you don't know, you don't know the darkness of my heart. You're right, I don't, I don't need to know it, but I know this, there's nothing that he can't forgive. When they were crucifying him on the cross, he said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. He forgave the ones who crucified him. He can forgive you. See, you and I don't need to live in a state of defeat. You don't need to wonder if he loves you, he loves you. 
You just simply need to, like Peter, come back to him and let him restore you to where you need to be. And notice what he says to Peter. Every time he said he gave Peter a task, feed my sheep, teach my sheep. See, he, some of you think God can never be able to use me again. My, have you been listening to a lie. He has something he wants to do through you. But you've got to recognize that he's restored you and that he loves you and that he forgives. See, the wonderful thing about Easter is, is he is a God of a second, a third, a fortieth, a thousandth chance. And he wants to use you. Let's wrap it up. Three things I want you to think about. Number one, ask yourself this question. Have you been rendered useless by your defeat? Have you been rendered useless? Have you come to the place where because of your failure, whatever it might be, or a series of failures, whatever it might be, you have come to the conclusion that there is no way ever that God could ever use you again? So you are living in a state of defeat and uselessness because you somehow think you're the exemption from His forgiveness? So when you read the Bible, you, you kind of see a footnote there, an imaginary footnote that says this is for everybody else but you. My friends, it doesn't exist. That footnote isn't in your Bible. God can use you. He used Peter. He used Paul. One of the greatest hymns we sing is Amazing Grace, written by a man by the name of John Newton, a slave trader, a murderer. God could use a man like that. He can use you. Have you been rendered? You need to answer that self, that question in your heart truthfully. And you know what I'm saying. You can, and you can sit there and you can say, yes, I feel useless. I am defeated. Admit it. The other thing I want you to see there is acknowledge the desire for Jesus in your heart. But even while you're still defeated, you know that within your heart you, you, there's a desire. You want God. You want Him. You just long for His acceptance. Admit that and acknowledge it too. In fact, I would say this. You need to allow that to consume you rather than the guilt and the shame. And finally, here's the other point, final point. Seek His restoration. Seek His restoration. Seek His forgiveness. John, the same writer of this gospel, writes in his first letter that we have, he writes this, If we confess our sins, if you go to him and acknowledge, Lord, I did what you saw me do, I want you to notice what it says about Jesus. He is faithful and just to forgive you your sin and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. He will make you right. He will make you whole. He will restore. Not you. There's nothing I can do to restore myself. Nothing you can do. But he does it. So reach out by faith. Reach out in hope. Don't live in a state of defeat. Let God bring you to where you need to be. And let him use you in your families, in your neighborhoods, in your community. Let him use you. He restores. Thank you for being with us this morning. We trust that today's message has been both challenging and an encouragement to your heart. Before we leave you today, George would like to share some special news 
about an upcoming event. Friends, we want to thank you for being a regular listener to the Heart Zone program. At Kerwinsville Christian Church, we are encouraging our folks to become men and women of God's Word. In an effort to help them achieve this, we have provided them with a Bible reading guide. We would like to provide that Bible reading guide to our listeners. If you would like a guide, simply write or call us to request one. There is no charge. The guides are free. Simply contact us at Kerwinsville Christian Church, 700 State Street, Kerwinsville, Pennsylvania, 16833. Or you can call us at 814-236-1622. We want you to become a man or woman of God's Word. So contact us and request a free guide. Once again, thanks for being a faithful listener. And may God bless you and all that you face this coming week.